From Miami Law, I'm Annette Uges, and this is The Explainer. Grant's pass answer is leave town. Basically, you can go to uh, national parks nearby, elsewhere in Josephine County, which is the county that they're in, but just get out of Grant's Pass, Mm -hmm. basically. Welcome back to the Miami Law Explainer, the legal affairs podcast where Miami law experts lend context and historical relevance to today's headlines. On today's show, a force behind the landmark homelessness case, Pottinger versus City of Miami, Stephen Schnabley, opines on a case that may go before the U.S. Supreme Court. Morning, Steve. Good morning, Kath. Welcome back to The Explainer. Oh, I'm glad to be here. Thanks, thanks. Um, So the city of Grants Pass, Oregon, has petitioned the U.S. Supreme Court to hear a case that it lost in the lower court. Could you unpack for our listeners' view of the issues? Sure. Well, uh, first, maybe a few facts. Grants Pass is a small city in Oregon with a population of about 38,000 people. So we're not dealing with L.A., New York, some of the other big cities in the headlines. They do, however, have a severe shortage of affordable housing. They have a vacancy rate of about 1%. It takes maybe three months rent in, at any place to uh, deposit just to get a, a, a lease. And so by the official counts, there are probably about 600 people who are homeless there, although another thousand who are very unstably housed, like they're doubling up with friends, they have no right to be there and so on. So Grants Pass has outlawed what they call camping. And that means sleeping in public with what they define as bedding, which could be anything from maybe, you know, a, a mattress, but also just a blanket, even a cardboard big piece of cardboard that you put between yourself on the ground. And the fines can be up to $300 each time. And one of the plaintiffs in this case, for example, has been homeless for a while, has racked up about $5,000 in fines because, you know, you can't really pay these fines if you're if you're homeless, uh, even if you're working. Uh, so where are people supposed to go if, if they're homeless, uh, given that there's this ordinance against camping in public spaces and people, you know, we're trying to live in the parks and so on. And they, well, I mean, essentially, there's no homeless shelters really in Grants Pass, although recently they've made some steps that way. There was one, there is one, but it is a religious shelter. You have to be Christian. You have to go to Christian uh, religious services regularly and so on. So it's not necessarily available to people. Grants Pass answer is leave town. Basically, you can go to uh, national parks nearby, elsewhere in Josephine County, which is the county that they're in, but just get out of Grants Pass, Mm -hmm. basically. So the local legal aid office brought a lawsuit saying that um, punishing people, arresting or fining them for uh, living in public spaces when they are homeless and have nowhere else to go is cruel and unusual punishment under the Eighth Amendment. And this was based on a fairly recent uh, decision in 2019 by the Ninth Circuit that had that holding. And so it was actually not really that complex a legal matter to say, OK, you know, given the precedent in the Ninth Circuit, which is the federal appeal circuit for all the Western states uh, to to say this, uh, there's a violation. And what's happened now is that Grants Pass has asked the Supreme Court to take up the case. And uh, they're saying the Ninth Circuit got the law wrong. Okay. So get out of town. Um, As with most petitions before, the Supreme Court has a choice whether to hear the appeal. How will the court decide whether to review the Ninth Circuit decision? And didn't they decline to hear a similar case out of Boise, Idaho in 2019? Yes, well, that's correct about that. That case was Martin v. City of Boise, and that's the case uh, that was cited in the Grants Pass case. And so and it essentially held what I described, that it's a violation of the Eighth Amendment to, to basically punish people 
before being homeless. Now, um, in that time, the Supreme Court just decided not to hear it. We don't really know what the reasons are. They never explain their reasons. In the court's rules, they lay out some criteria for that might guide them in deciding whether to grant cert. One is if there's a conflict among the lower courts, federal and or, and or state courts, and Grants Pass is saying that, that there have been differing decisions on this issue. I don't think they have a very strong argument on that point. I don't think there's really that much conflict. Um, another one is that uh, if the lower court is not following a, a Supreme Court decision. Again, they take a stab at that without going into the details. I don't think that's all that convincing. But yet another criterion is that there's an important federal question, uh, statutory or constitutional, that the Supreme Court has never taken up and which it is said the court should consider. And I think if there's any ground in those rules, that that's probably Grants Pass's strongest argument. But we don't really know what will happen. It only takes four votes by the justices. And again, they never explain one way or the other. Interesting. Um, the question in the petition asks if the enforcement of generally applicable laws regulating camping on public property constitute cruel and unusual punishment prohibited by the Eighth Amendment. Well, yes. And, and there's a complex history to it. So in the early 1960s, in a case called Robinson v. California, the court was confronted with a statute that kind of strangely said, not just that it's illegal to use drugs, but also illegal to be addicted to drugs. And in that case, the Supreme Court said it's a violation of the Eighth Amendment. It's cruel and unusual punishment to to punish them for this status, which in many cases would be involuntary. And they said it would be like punishing somebody for having a cold. So what then happened a few years later was the case of Powell v. Texas. That involves someone who was alcoholic, addicted to alcohol, who was convicted of public intoxication, uh, being drunk in public, in other words. And uh, the court was split there. Four justices, led by Justice Marshall, said this is not a problem under Robinson because Robinson, they said, involved punishment for a status, whereas this uh, was punishment for conduct, being drunk or intoxicated in public. So that was four justices, not a majority. Four dissenting justices said, oh, no, 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 under, under Robinson, this conviction cannot stand because he's it was undisputed that he is addicted to alcohol and that means you're going to drink. And so this public intoxication was a product of his addiction. It's virtually uh, equivalent, they said to Robinson. That's only four justices. Mm -hmm. Then there was Justice White, who didn't agree with quite with either of the opinions, had his own solo opinion. And what he said was this, you know, if Powell had been homeless and had nowhere else to be but to live in public, and if and he was alcoholic, everybody agreed with that, then it, it would really be a violation of the Eighth Amendment to convict him for public intoxication because it would be the product of his addiction. But if um, since he didn't, uh, since he wasn't homeless, mm -hmm. I think the conviction can be upheld. So, I mean, he remained convicted. But what lower courts, certainly the Ninth Circuit and other some other courts have said is that the lesson from that is that if you have conduct that you can't help but commit because of your status, then it violates the Eighth Amendment to punish you for it. And if you're living, if you're homeless, you have no place to live but in public. And so for basic, what we might call life-sustaining conduct, like eating or sleeping or resting, if you do that in public, 
even if it's violating uh, an ordinance, say against sleeping in public, you can't be punished for it because I mean, you, what are you supposed to do? It's like punishing you for being homeless. Mm -hmm. That's the, the, um, the argument there. Now, what Grants Pass is saying, the city of Grants Pass is saying, well, Ninth Circuit and other courts that have agreed with that, you got it wrong. And I, they make many, many arguments, but just to boil it down to two, one is that you got the Eighth Amendment wrong. The Eighth Amendment, they say, is only covers either the method of punishment, you know, like torture, the rack, and so on, or also maybe wild disproportion. You know, you you, you steal a, a small, you know, stick of chewing gum or pack of chewing gum, and suddenly you've got life imprisonment. It doesn't put substantive limits, they say, on what can be criminalized. Now, if that's accepted by the Supreme Court, if that argument is accepted by the Supreme Court, I think they would have to overrule or hugely modify Robinson. Mm -hmm. uh, but that's one argument. The other argument they make is that, well, this is a creating a crisis, they say, in the, in the West Coast, because the Ninth Circuit, again, covers California, and, uh, Washington State, Seattle, and so on, mm -hmm. uh, because you're, you're taking away uh, discretion by local policymakers mm -hmm. about how to respond to homelessness. And that's a violation of federalism, they say. So there's some other more technical arguments. Um, I think, the, you know, the, of course, the, the response, I would expect if it to be made, and, and certainly was made in lower courts, is number one, that, well, it is established, as in Robinson, that it, it does put, the, 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 that the Eighth Amendment puts some limits on the substance of, of um, criminal law. This gets a little bit into the method of constitutional interpretation because, of course, Grant's Pandas Pass is saying that, well, the original intent of the framers was not to cover this third category of substantive right. limits and so on. So, I mean, all very interesting and significant, but I think you know, the, the Robinson and um, Powell cases provide a pretty strong basis for it. So I think the court to to overrule or to 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 reverse the Ninth Circuit would have to really rethink those cases. In terms of the federalism issue and, and taking away policy discretion, I, I think there the point to me is that um, there, and, and the, the lower courts, the, the Ninth Circuit certainly said this, that well, we leave lots of policy discretion. You know, the fundamental problem is lack of affordable housing. And there's many ways to deal with that. Uh, we're just saying you can't do it in a way that violates the Eighth Amendment. So, uh, but, you know, we'll see. I mean, as I say, I haven't even yet seen the response to the petition that there's still some time for um uh, the, the plaintiffs to file that and, and, and oppose the petition on cert. Right, right. Um, so the petition for cert notes that Pottinger v. City of Miami was the first case to hold that the Eighth Amendment protects people who are involuntarily homeless from being punished for sleeping or engaging in other life-sustaining activities in public. You were co-counsel in that case. Where does Pottinger stand now? Well, yes, and I will say the, the Grants Pass uh, petition does point out that uh, you know, Pottinger uh, was the first case to to reach the holding that the Ninth Circuit has reached. Of course, the Ninth Circuit with much greater practical impact because Pottinger was a case brought against the city of Miami, decided in federal district court and affected only uh, Miami. What happened in that case was a ruling similar to what the Ninth Circuit had by Judge C. Clyde Atkins. And uh, it was in response, brought in 1988, in response to the city of Miami's 
routine massive arrests of people experiencing homelessness and destruction of their property. And so he said that violates the Eighth Amendment as well as some other parts of the Constitution. Uh, after about two years of negotiation and some two trips to the appeals court, the 11th Circuit, uh, the plaintiffs and uh, and uh, the city, we negotiated what's called a consent decree. That was an, a, an agreement by the parties with the blessing of the federal district court and had the effect of a federal district court order. It bound the city of Miami all the way from 1998 when it was approved, the consent decree was approved to 2019. What that agreement provided was, among other things, that people who were homeless could not be um, arrested for these life-sustaining conduct misdemeanors, like being in the parks after hours, um, resting, you know, obstructing the sidewalks, sleeping on the sidewalk, and so on, unless they were offered uh, actually available shelter and turned it down. And of course, even to this day, the city of Miami has more people experiencing homelessness than there are shelters, although I think the gap is smaller in the city of Miami than it is in, for example, L.A. I mean, all the numbers in L.A. are bigger than Miami's, but the gap even proportionally is much smaller. And that's in part because I think the Pottinger ruling spurred the city and the county, Miami-Dade County, to work to create much more of a shelter system. So during that period, it was about a 20-year period, that 21-year period, I guess, that the consent decree was in effect. I mean, there were some violations by the city, um, but what happened starting around 2013, they really wanted to get out from under it. So... First, they went to court to seek what they called modifications. I think those changes would have <laughs> gutted the consent decree. But we came to some agreement for some relatively minor changes. And then in 2018, we went to court as plaintiffs saying, you're, you're systematically violating it with the cleanups they were engaging in, particularly involved massive destruction of homeless people's belongings. And um, the city asked the court to terminate it. And after a hearing, uh, Judge Moreno, Federal District Court Judge Moreno, did decide to terminate the consent decree. His finding was that they had put in enough changes that they should no longer be under federal court supervision. So I didn't agree with that, but that was the decision. Now, uh, what's happened um, since, of course, is the city has undertaken a series of cleanups now regularly. And uh, what they don't necessarily arrest people but there's pretty systematic destruction of property. And, you know, that sounds so, so just clinical destruction of property, but it's really people have like their medicines, just their, the photos, the only photo they may have a loved one. There was in one of the plaintiffs in the case that I'm currently co-counsel and uh, a woman went off to get some training for a job that she'd found. She comes back and she finds everything trashed, including the urn with her mother's ashes, in another case, someone had a tent. It was picked up with those, those kind of giant claws that can pick up large amounts of so-called trash and just dump it in a trash can. His pet cat was in there. I mean, so there, there have been some pretty terrible things. It's, it's very hard when you lose your belongings. And your documents. Passport. Yes. ID, IDs, passports, yeah. medicines. There have been cases where people, their medicines were taken and then it wasn't so easy to get it filled. In the meantime, they had a major health problem and ended up in the hospital. So, so you know, there's still some things going on. I, I, I think that um, uh, the city of Miami still has the substance of the arrest restrictions in its own police departmental orders. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and that helps, but there's still a lot of problems in, in Miami, I think. So if the court decides to hear the appeal, how big an impact will this ruling have on homelessness in the U.S.? Well, a couple things. First of all, I think that if the court decides to take it, it's probably a pretty good prediction that it will reverse the Ninth Circuit. I mean, you never know, but I, I think that would be the most likely outcome. Now, exactly what they say in the course of reversing it could matter, but I think it would really just tend to undercut the Eighth Amendment argument. And that's a major restriction that cities do have to contend with if they want to sort of quote unquote, arrest their way out of homelessness. And which is unfortunately one strategy. What you do is you basically harass people who are living in public and you either arrest them or threaten them with arrest. And so they disperse, they move somewhere else. So if it's a city, maybe they move to a less bustling area of the city and they're out of sight. Or in Grants Pass case, I mean, ideally they leave town. Miami Beach is currently considering some new uh, ordinances that are really flagrantly in, in conflict with the Eighth Amendment. And they, they don't even have shelters. So again, like Grants Pass, their position is, you know, leave town basically. So I think there will be probably a little more of a green light for that. I don't think that will increase or decrease the number of people experiencing homelessness. It will just make their lives more more miserable. The fact is, the fundamental cause, as I said, of of uh, homelessness is lack of affordable housing. There's a couple of researchers who recently did a, really a major book on surveying um, home, rates of homelessness in different cities, and it fully depends on how. Uh, expensive housing is. And their best analogy, I think, is a little like a game of musical chairs. You have a table, nine chairs, the music stops, someone is going to be chairless. Right. And it's true, it may tend to be more people with mental health problems and substance abuse, but the underlying problem is there's only nine chairs and 10 people. And that's right. the problem we have. Um, anything in closing? Well, the the one thing I'll say is that if the court takes it, I guess I, I, I will sort of at least comfort myself and say, it only relates to the Eighth Amendment. There are other constitutional rights that people have, including freedom of movement. And very importantly, your Fourth, Fourteenth and Fifth Amendment rights not to have your property arbitrarily taken and seized. So it won't be the end of constitutional protections. And I think also that the policy of not using criminalization of homelessness has been surprisingly bipartisan. Starting with the Bush administration, the, the George W. Bush administration through today, even for most of the Trump administration, that's been the policy. Criminalization is wrong. So I would hope there would still be some real pushback against the tendency of local politicians to say, let's just start cracking down as if somehow that will do something about right. the problem. Send them to Nantucket. Well, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate it. Oh, well, glad to be here. All right. See you around. Yep. Thanks for joining us for The Explainer and a whole new season of Explaining. If you enjoy our show, leave us a five-star review with your podcast provider and ask your friends to subscribe. You can always drop us a comment at theexplainer at miami.edu. Our show is engineered and edited by Christopher Alzadi with theme music composed by Rady Kim from the Frost School of Music. I'm your host, Annette Uges. Today's show is brought to you by Miami Law's new Doctor of Juridical Science program, an advanced research degree. The SJD program is designed for aspiring legal academics, members of the judiciary, and public policymakers. For more information, visit www.miami.law.edu.